Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of the Water Women Podcast. I am so excited to introduce today's Water Women. She is our youngest guest yet and already so incredibly passionate and just so cool. So I'm so excited to have her on to tell her story and share her plans for the future and why she's so passionate about this. And she's just so cool and I'm just so excited for you guys to hear from her. Um, I did have a couple technical difficulties with this episode and recording issues that I did not notice until after we finished recording when I started to edit. And my sound sounds so incredibly funky, guys. You can still hear me, but I just sound a little muffled, and I am so sorry for that. Bear with me for this week, and we'll be back to our regular setup recording for next week. And uh, Anita sounds awesome in it, so you guys get to hear all the important parts. And let's just jump in and hear from Anita. Okay. So welcome on to the Water Woman Podcast. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. I'll have you start out by introducing yourself to our listeners. So give them your name and a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay, great. Um, my name is Anita Ankerlo, and I was born in Sweden, but my parents worked in Egypt at the time when I was born. So at a very young age, at like two months old, we moved back to Egypt and that's where I grew up and that's where I fell in love with the ocean. <laughs> I love that. So uh, some pretty cool places to grow up. Yeah. What, what made you fall in love with the ocean? Like when I think of Egypt, I don't think ocean. So where yeah. were you in Egypt? Like what kind of was your first introduction to the ocean? Well, my dad is a captain, so that's, like, the first thing <laughs> I was, <would> like, <laughs> exactly, yeah, I was in the ocean all the time, I was always spending time in the ocean with my dad, and just adventuring in the Red Sea, and we were very fortunate to live by the coast, um, by Egypt, so it was very easy access to the ocean, and that's basically where I spent all of my free time, so that's kind of how I develop this love for it (laughs) I love that I feel like we should also specify for the listeners we're talking about your childhood right now which was for you not that long ago really because you're 17 (laughs) exactly yeah I forgot to mention that in my introduction but yeah I'm 17 (laughs) but she is our youngest water woman yet which is super exciting because for someone so young you already have so much passion and love for the ocean and conservation I feel like you have a really cool perspective coming like as this like next generation coming up and like kind of seeing the damage that you've been left with so I love that you found that passion at a young age and like grew up diving and spending time in the water yeah definitely it's such an amazing experience to grow up by the ocean and I'm so so fortunate and so grateful to be able to have that experience because I know that um a lot of people don't have that which is really heartbreaking because it's such a cool thing to experience (laughs) it is every time I'm like I'm in the ocean I'm like wow I love this this is beautiful and then I could like cry thinking about how some people don't get to experience that like so sorry for you like I it's amazing exactly as a young girl like we've talked about how you were introduced to it at a young age what was your favorite thing to do when you were younger like when did you start kind of 
participating in ocean activities that like weren't just mm-hmm. swimming? Well, um, we would always go snorkeling at this very small, shallow reef called Bayoud, right outside of this town that I lived in called Elguna. Okay. And so we would always take the speedboat out there and we would go snorkeling. And I remember diving down to the sea stars and looking at all the sea cucumbers and all the small fish. And it was really, really beautiful. I love that. The Red Sea's got a lot of diversity too. So like yeah. you were getting, it's not like you're just in these like bland, bland waters. Like you're getting to see some exactly. pretty cool stuff. That's yeah. awesome. And when did you start scuba diving? Because you started scuba diving pretty young. Yeah, I started scuba diving when I was eight um, in the pool. So my dad's friend, he had actually built a small like scuba tank for his daughter. And so I got to try it out in the pool for the first time when I was eight. And then I fell in love with it immediately. And so when I was 10, I before that, I was like diving in the pool from time to time, just like get the experience. And then when I was 10, I took my open water diver. And um, then after that, I was diving quite a lot, like on and off. And this year, this spring, actually, when I was doing an internship on a diving boat in Egypt, I took my advanced um, diver. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) And then hopefully, yeah, and then hopefully for next spring, I'm going to do my rescue. That's so exciting. I love that. It's so cool that you got into that so young, like. Yeah, I feel like growing up, I got to see people. My mom and I were talking about a story the other day where I went to an aquarium and I saw someone like diving, cleaning the glass. And I was like, cool, like that's, I want to do yeah. that. And yeah. like, I've always wanted to dive, but I didn't start diving until I was like, God, I was 2019. So it was, I was 20, like 20s before I started yeah. diving. So that you got to start so young is so cool. Cause I feel like yeah. that really kind of <laughs> pushes that love and gives you a new respect for the ocean. Totally, totally. It gives you a completely different perspective of the ocean where you can actually be in it and see it like firsthand rather than seeing like pictures and videos online. Oh, yeah. It totally changes your perspective. Like you can, mm-hmm. like, I think like media now has given us such a great opportunity where we can like see things that we wouldn't have seen and like all these technological advancements is awesome. And like you can learn from anywhere in the world, but there's nothing like when you see that for the first time in person and like totally. I always yeah. I always joked like all throughout my undergrad I was like oh I like I hate fish I hate fish mm-hmm. because I'm a whale girl I love mammals mm-hmm. and then every time I'm diving and I'm with the fish I'm like oh my god I love you guys like you are like yeah. so cool and like it just is a totally different perspective underwater like literally yeah. and figuratively definitely so, yeah it's it's so crazy and that's why I love taking videos and pictures and just sharing it on my social medias because I want people to see what I get to experience because it's such an amazing thing that I want to share with other people. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so beautiful. And like, I don't understand how people could like not see the underworld, underwater world and immediately fall in love. Like, it's just too amazing yeah. not to. Yeah, totally. So... Do you think that, like, growing up with all your interest in the ocean, has this, like, has it ever been a question for you, like, what you want to pursue? Have you ever thought, like, oh, maybe I want to go into, like, business? Or has it always been, like, straight line for you? Like, this is it, the ocean's it. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's always, I've always wanted to do something, like, connecting to the ocean. 
but I didn't know that you could actually like work as a marine biologist and stuff like that until like a couple of years ago and so that's kind of what I've been striving to become so all the things I do in school have been like connected to marine biology and ocean (laughs) conservation and stuff like that just because I really want to pursue that dream. I love that. I love that it's such a revelation when you figure that out. You're like, wait, yeah, I can do this as a job, not just as fun. Like, it's amazing. I love that. So you have already kind of started even with a project that you and your friend have. So tell us a little bit about your project there, because like the fact that you're 17 years old and have this project already is just, you're so cool. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, so um, there is this project that I work with called Red Sea Project. Um, and basically it's a nonprofit organization that conducts field research and all sorts of things to raise awareness for the marine ecosystems in the Red Sea. And right now I'm just in kind of like a conservationist intern there. Like I haven't really been in the field yet. Um, However, hopefully soon I will be in the field and helping uh, as soon as I I can during like a school break or something like that. Um, And it's such an amazing organization because they go out and educate the public and different schools about things that you wouldn't normally learn at school Um, and I think raising that type of awareness especially in Egypt where I think a lot of people lack that knowledge of that the ocean is actually important in so many different ways it's so important because that's the first step into saving the ecosystems there absolutely Um, yeah so it's so great that they combine all these different aspects of both going into the field and conducting all these uh, scientific reports and all of this research, as well as educating um, the next generations and the public about why we need to conduct this research and why they need to be aware. Absolutely. I think you can argue this, and I'm sure everyone's seen like the memes and the arguments of like, I never learned anything I needed to in school. Like, sure, we didn't learn taxes, but like, this is something that fits into the curriculum in most places. Like I knew, exactly. I knew we had the ocean. I remember learning about the ocean in high school and like secondary school, but then all of a sudden it just was like, when I got into university, it was like, Oh my God, like, wait, this is actually like mm-hmm. really important. Like Definitely. this is something that I like actually need to be worrying about. And Definitely. I feel like it's not, um, not taught in school. Exactly. And especially in Egypt, the Red Sea is so important for so many different reasons it's a big contributor to the economics of Egypt and the economy because it raises so much money. Um, like a big part of Egypt's funding, it comes from tourism. And a big part of that are like divers and snorkelers and tourists that want to go and see the Red Sea. And if we don't have that anymore, then that's all going to mess that's up. That's to change gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's so important. And also, the the Red Sea protects the coastline so much because of the coral reefs, and without that, it would obviously disturb citizens that live on the coast, and fishermen that live off of the ocean won't have yeah. anything to feed their families with, and et cetera, et cetera. And there are so many reasons as to why 
the public needs to be educated about why these coral reefs are so important. Absolutely. I feel like we don't get into the like chain reactions that will happen exactly. if something happens nearly enough. Because it's like, exactly. oh, like the fishing industry might die. Okay, that sucks for the fishing or fishermen, like for the fishing industry. Like, no, that's going to suck for you when yeah. you can no longer eat any seafood. And it's going to drive the prices for other meats up because they're going to be in higher demand. And it's like, should we continue eating meat? No, but like, it's a huge chain reaction in ways that you're not even thinking of. Definitely. And I think like a lot of people don't realize that Egypt does have the Red Sea. Like when people think of Egypt, a lot of people think of like the pyramids and the desert and like camels and not like the beautiful Well, yeah, like I said earlier... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I said earlier, like when I think of Egypt, I'm thinking not of the coast of Egypt. Just exactly. because, like, like, I don't live close to Egypt. I live a little ways away. And yeah. the media presents it as like almost a desert in a way. And then yeah. like you see, like, I remember seeing the picture of like the pyramids for the first time from like the reverse, like the back view where you can like yeah. actually see the city and being like, oh, wow. Yeah. And like, I especially don't think of the the coastline of it but then when I see pictures of the coastline I'm like whoa like that's beautiful and like the Red Sea is beautiful it's amazing yeah and the Red Sea itself is so diverse like there's so many unique species that only exist in the Red Sea and that's why it's such a beautiful diving place and I definitely recommend anyone that can and wants to to go diving in the Red Sea, of course, with proper behavior and swimming and behavior and stuff like that. But um, it's definitely a beautiful, beautiful place to go diving. And I've been diving in a lot of places in the world and the Red Sea will forever be my favorite. (laughs) I love that. It's so, it is a special place. It definitely has been on my bucket list to go dive there. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to come visit. Yeah, Um, definitely. We talked about the coral reefs, so the coral reefs in the Red Sea do play a like, large role. How are they doing? Because mm-hmm. I feel like you hear a lot about like the Great Barrier Reef and like mm-hmm. that kind of coral reef not doing so hot, but the Red Sea is not, mm-hmm. I don't want to say like, as, I'm doing like, air quotes right now, like as popular as yeah. the Great Barrier Reef, but you definitely don't hear as much about it. So how's that doing? What's, it, what's going on with it? Well, growing up in the Red Sea, I have definitely been able to see the changes like firsthand. Um, I've noticed how a lot of reefs have started to like die out and how coral bleaching has started to kick in and you definitely lose a large part of the ecosystem. Um, I know there's this one specific reef that I've always gone to since I was younger. It has completely died out since I was a child, Um, which was this this reef that I was talking about with the sea stars and stuff when I was younger. Um, this reef in specific, it's very popular or it has become very popular because of the shallow water and the sand banks and because um, people like to go out there with their speedboats and then like drink and party all day. And then obviously the consequences are ruining the reef. And sadly, that reef has completely died out. You're not going to see any sort of marine life there anymore like I saw when I was much younger. And there's just many places in general um, that have been heavily visited by tourists that have been completely destroyed. Um, I have a, yeah, I've made a few posts talking about like how uh, um, being 
well, I guess in a way, like ignorant towards your behavior when swimming, yeah. how that can assuming, affect. Assuming that your behavior has no consequences. like Exactly. Yeah. And it so you just it. see, exactly. So you just see how these like popular reefs slowly start to die out because of ignorant divers that don't follow co- codes of conduct and don't keep their distance from reefs and stuff like that. Because in the Red Sea specific, global warming hasn't really had an effect on coral reefs. However, it's a lot to do with tourists and um, oil spills and just like I, the general human yeah. human interaction issues. Exactly, like the general public not being aware of how to behave around marine life. Yeah. So yeah, That's that so that has caused human ruin uh, everything. We really do. Yeah, definitely, the definitely. Like. I love the look of like, we need to save the earth, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, we absolutely do. But like, the earth is going to be fine eventually. Like, oh, we're, it's exactly. going to be around forever. What's going to happen is it's going to be the end of humans. Exactly. And then the earth is going to take its time to rebuild kind of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like, Definitely. yeah, we need, to, we need to help the earth. But like, it's because if you want to be here, we need to help the earth. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's so interesting that you mentioned that the Red Sea hasn't been affected us heavily by like global warming and whatnot and I guess it makes sense because it's not as like it is connected to the other oceans but like only by that like those little gaps mm-hmm. little I say as if they're yeah. not miles but like like it's not it's kind of its own ecosystem specifically which is definitely so cool. and how it's if resisted you, change in climate change definitely if you read a lot of scientific reports um, they actually mention how the Red Sea is very resilient to global warming oh, and cool. how it's actually a lot to do with human interactions that has caused the damages in the Red Sea. Classic. Which is very sad, which is why it's so important to raise awareness and create the sense of education. Absolutely. So, oh my god, I just completely lost my train of thought right there. I have <laughs> so we've like it's so wild that you have seen such a change in your young Mm -hmm. life like 17 years like I know Mm -hmm. for you it's like this is like 17 years is forever but like yeah it's not uh, I'm like only 24 like this isn't like we're nothing (laughs) we're children and to see change in our lifetime is absolutely insane like in that short amount of time and like not even just our lifetime, but in our, like, memories. Like you said, Definitely. you remember diving with these these uh, super cool, like, sea stars and sea cucumbers and everything. Mm-hmm. And to now know that they're not there in that short amount of time really yeah. kind of puts into perspective, like, how fast it's changing and how big of an issue it actually is. Yeah, definitely. And I think it has – oh, wait, I also lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing really uh... great yeah totally (laughs) um what was I gonna say oh god um oh right okay so it has a lot to do with the fact that there's so much tourism going on in Egypt and that these tourists are not educated about the fact that they have to behave a certain way in the water and especially on the coast um tourism has really bombarded the coast I'm like I'll say because 
um, tourism in Egypt has gradually, or not, yeah, gradually gotten a lot more dense in the past 20 years, which is yeah. why you will see these crazy changes in the past 20 years because of how many tourists there are that haven't been educated about proper swimming behaviors around coral reefs and other marine life. Yeah. It's like visiting a coast like that is totally different than going on vacation to like a large city because it mm. is something that you have to take the time to educate yourself about and like understand how your actions will have consequences here. Like you can't just like obviously not that when you're in a city you should just like toss your garbage on the street, but like if you're tossing your garbage continually in the street in the city, like it's one thing. But then if you're tossing it directly into the ecosystem, like come on, like have mm-hmm have a little have a little common sense you really like a lot of times you're like thinking about this you're like come on like that's common sense but you really can't cannot overestimate the common sense of humans because it's yeah on average very lacking sometimes yeah (laughs) and I think it's a lot to do with like education and how these tourists have been educated because obviously if they don't know about these swimming behaviors and that they have to behave a certain way in the ocean then you can't really blame them in a sense because they're completely clueless about what they have to do and that's why it's so important that the people that actually live in Egypt and work with um or work in the uh industry of that includes like the ocean and yeah being around marine life that they are educated on these proper swimming behaviors and codes of conduct so that they can educate the tourists and the people that visit so that they can take care of the environment absolutely if you're a tourist going there to dive and you like say you've only like dived a couple of times and like in a pool or in a lake mm-hmm. or something it's going to be totally different and you're only going to go based on what your instructor's telling you and so if your instructor's not educated about the proper like way to do things, not even in a diving sense of like how to actually dive, but in terms of like the ecosystem that you're in, then you're going to, like it just leads to bad traits in different people and like kind of widespread. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I totally agree about like the people giving these services need to be better educated on like how to participate in these activities. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, why do you think it's important for people your age to get involved? Like, I feel like sometimes you might get the perspective of the, oh, you're just 17 years old. Like, what do you know? Which is yeah. completely incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you think it's important for kids your age or people your age to get involved and educate themselves? And how do you think you guys can make a change? Well, we are the next generation. So we are the people that will be taking care of this earth when everyone else is gone so I think it's so important that everyone is educated on this topic so that we can all help and make a change because some people might think like yeah okay I'm one person like I can't make a change but like if everyone thinks like that then obviously there won't be a change but if everyone tries to do like small steps to help the environment or help the ocean then together everyone can help the ocean and the earth in general and that's why it's so important that even like people that live in the city or aren't even anywhere near the ocean that they try to help somehow in their daily lives like reduce plastic consumption or I know some people aren't a fan of this but reduce their meat consumption because that has a great impact on the environment like it's so big and I'm a vegetarian myself. I try to 
not eat or I I don't eat meat at all but I try to cut out like dairy and stuff like that too dairy but, and everything like like partial yeah. vegan kind of thing like vegan yeah basically but ice cream exactly <laughs> <laughs> no because it's so because it would be very hypocritical of me if I was like this ocean conservationist and I was trying to like save the ocean but then at the same time I'm eating meat and contributing to these greenhouse gases that then Absolutely. in turn damage the ocean. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like you hit the nose or hit the nail right on the head of there a second ago when you were like talking about people anywhere. It's like even if you're not near the ocean, because mm-hmm. like, yeah, like we're focused on the ocean because we love the ocean. But in yeah. general, this is just about like saving the planet. Like saving the Definitely. ocean is one step of saving Definitely. the planet. Definitely, because even if we put the whole Red Sea aside and the the Red Sea isn't really affected by global warming as much as the Great Barrier Reef, for example, then we still need to put in the effort, like, for example, try to cut out as much meat as possible so that global warming won't affect the Great Barrier Reef or reefs that are affected by global warming. Yeah, exactly. So, like if a like person your age was listening kind of being like what like what could I do how can I do this what would be your advice to them like how can they get involved and educate themselves like what are your tips like you you're very lucky where you grew up with a captain Mm -hmm. or father and like were exposed at a young age but if you were trying Mm -hmm. to help someone learn now what would be your Mm -hmm. tips and tricks for them well definitely try to educate yourself even if it's not like a fun thing to do to like go on google and be like how can i save the ocean but sometimes it can it's be so like important. a death scroll or a doom scroll yeah thing. like you like you go into it with like high hopes of like i i want to save the earth and then you're like there's no saving the earth yeah exactly and i like the internet can be very very negative a lot of the mm. times when it comes to this type of stuff and I see a lot of posts that are like, oh my god, like our earth is destroyed, like there's no more hope. However, if we all put in the effort, then there will be hope. So there's a little bit of hope left, you know? Like, exactly. We have it. <laughs> exactly. And I think I think the most important thing to do is try to reduce your meat consumption because that affects the earth in so many different ways. And I know that a lot of people are like very pessimistic towards that type of idea they're like oh yeah but I want my steak and like I want to eat meat like all the time but people don't understand how big of an impact it is yeah definitely and people don't understand that there's like we are so fortunate at the moment to have so many different types of alternatives to meat especially like golden yeah exactly like there's like I know because I became a vegetarian maybe like two three years ago and so I still remember the taste of meat, obviously. Yeah. And when I eat like the vegan alternatives to meat and chicken and beef and stuff like that, it you you can barely notice a difference. No. And oh, absolutely, exactly. And even if you really are persistent on wanting to continue to eat meat, you can still try to include the vegan options into your diet and maybe have a steak from time to time because obviously that won't hurt as much than if you yeah, just absolutely. if you're eat meat if all the cutting time. it all if cutting it all out is too big of a chunk for you like do like meatless mondays one day where you eat yeah. a meat-free meal and like when people are like oh i could never go vegetarian it's like okay but like mm-hmm. are you eating meat for every single meal because i guarantee mm-hmm. you're eating some vegetarian meals without even exactly. realizing it 
definitely definitely talking about being in like the golden age of being able to be like vegan or vegetarian right now I've gone like back and forth a couple times like between the two just for like health issues and everything Mm -hmm. and when I first started I was in like grade eight so 2010 Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. and like when I would like go out with my friends it would be like my options would be french fries if they were cooked in beef oil and now there's like restaurants where I can go and I can can get a hamburger like exactly or like like hamburger in air quotations like (laughs) a veggie burger and like veggie burgers that aren't just like mushed up vegetables yeah exactly and I remember like talking to my dad about it and he was like like the the beyond burger uh that's available mm-hmm. now he was like well that's not healthy and I was like yeah neither is any other burger there I'm not eating it every day mm-hmm. to be healthy but it's just like yeah. it's an option like I exactly. have options there now exactly awesome. but I think there's also so many other ways that you can educate yourself about the ocean and the effects that have been going on um yeah like for example there's so many cool documentaries on netflix that i love watching like i think i've watched every single documentary about the ocean on netflix because i just love them especially um i think it's called chasing coral is one of my favorites it's so good i love it and just um informing yourselves about things that are going on in the world right now because like we talked about before a lot of people aren't aware that there's a like a beautiful coral reef system in the Red Sea. So informing yourself about that type of stuff, or for example, if you go on a tropical vacation to a place where there are coral reefs and where you are surrounding yourself with marine life, that you educate yourself on how to actually behave around the marine life and the marine ecosystem so that you don't create a direct damage towards the coral reef and the marine life there. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of people don't understand that your own manner and your own behavior in the water creates a direct consequence towards yeah. marine life and marine ecosystems. Like, for example, if you're splashing around in the water and you're restless and you like can't seem to calm down in the water, then just like take a deep breath because you're like you're causing distress towards the animals that are around you. Or, for example, what I notice a lot is. Uh, tourists that go diving or snorkeling in the Red Sea that they go so close to the reef and they start kicking frantically and they kick the reef and that breaks the corals and that kills the corals or for example I know a lot of people love touching the corals or picking up Mm -hmm. shells and taking souvenirs home from the ocean which is so bad for the ecosystem because that's like ripping out a piece of the ecosystem and bring it with you home like, like would you go to the zoo? Would you go to the zoo and rip off a toenail and take it home with you? Like, exactly. No. It's, exactly. It's the same concept. And I think a lot of people don't understand that the coral reef is actually alive. Like, it's not just a yes. rock. There, it's corals, like corals are so underappreciated. Exactly. You don't realize I, animals. I love corals. Corals are like my favorite aspect about the ocean. And that's what I want to like direct into when I become a marine <laughs> biologist. I. I love corals and it's just so fascinating how it's like millions and millions of micro creatures that are connected and are one big ecosystem and I think it's so so, I think it's so unfortunate that a lot of people don't understand this and that's why they behave the way they do in the water and they don't realize that they're actually killing these corals when they kick them or they 
pick them or they touch them or like I know a lot of people I've seen this in a lot of tourist places where a lot of the reefs where tourists have been at where tourists have actually engraved their names into corals which oh. is so bizarre and I I remember there was one time I went to a house reef it's like a reef that's by the coast so you can like or like by the beach so you can like walk in from the beach and into the water and you're like in the coral reef I remember I went to a house reef once and I had like read reviews online because it was like my first time there and I was like and it, the reviews online were like amazing they're like yeah this reef is so beautiful like it's so flourishing and blah blah, blah. and then I went there I saw that the reef was like part of a hotel like the the reef the beach where the reef was at was like part of a hotel and I was like hmm, okay that's a bit weird and then I saw like hundreds of tourists like mm, by this is. coral reef and then I yeah. jumped into the water and I I was shocked I was mind blown like I because I, I was free diving then I was diving around and it was like like my heart broke into so many different pieces because this reef was absolutely dead like it was just macroalgae covering like the dead skeletons of corals yeah. and like one or two sad fish swimming by and it's just it's so sad to see because like a lot of a lot of tourists don't understand that that reef is dead but like me knowing what a healthy reef looks like it's kind of like oh yeah I remember I was I was sobbing when I was in the water I've never cried so hard because it's so heartbreaking to see like people don't understand how important these ecosystems are absolutely and I feel like you don't realize that just by being in the water with them you're going to accidentally have an impact on them like you just swimming by moving your fins you're going to impact them you're going to interact with them so be aware that you're accidentally doing that damage anyways and don't do any further damage like don't try and touch it because you're already accidentally exactly definitely going to be time like I like I'll say it I've been diving and accidentally run into a coral you feel yeah definitely run into parts I'm like oh my god like you're gonna have those accidents you're gonna have those mishaps but if you're not doing it purposefully like Mm -hmm. don't go in there with the aim to do more destruction even if you don't realize you're doing destruction definitely of course accidents happen you accidentally kick a coral like you're trying to take a picture and then you get distracted and you accidentally (laughs) yeah knock a rock behind you but as long as you're aware that you that this is a negative thing that you're doing and that you're not just oblivious to the fact that you're like knocking over corals and kicking them and killing them then exactly what can you do you're not doing it purposely so like exactly and I think a lot of people actually not only like when it comes to coral reefs and stuff when it actually comes to like larger marine animals like for example dugongs or uh, dolphins or turtles I know a lot of people love touching marine life like grabbing onto dolphin fins or grabbing onto turtles or dugongs and it's that's also really bad because I don't think people understand that humans and marine life have different bacteria on their hands so once you touch this animal you will transfer your human bacteria that comes from land onto this animal that might infect them and might kill them or make them seriously ill you're doing more harm than you are good exactly like it honestly can just be summed up with like don't touch it just don't exactly just don't touch it (laughs) you know like in kindergarten when your teacher taught you like hands to yourself yeah keep that in mind like exactly forever 
you look with your eyes and not with your hands <laughs> exactly exactly perfect okay, this is why we need the young person's perspective because they remember yeah. that from their recent exactly. recent kindergarten days which was <laughs> exactly no like definitely yesterday for both of us but like it's insane yeah just like don't touch things that aren't yours you know so yeah. not yours now what are your plans for the future because I'm so excited to see what you want to do. What, uh, we've, de- we've determined that you're going to be pursuing marine science in some form. Definitely. So yes. What's so, your um, potential plan? Yes. So right now I am still in high school and I'm doing the IB diploma program. So I am taking two sciences, which will get me into a university, hopefully for marine biology. Um, my number one university that I'm looking at right now is um, University of Queensland in Australia. No way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I've looked at their um, whole marine biology program, and they have such an interesting um, form of education because they have a research center located, I think, on the Southern Great Barrier Reef. And so if I would do that program, then I would be able to go and do field research. And that's just, that sounds like an absolute dream to me. And I would love to get into that university. We'll see how it goes. But I definitely want to study marine biology. Thank you. I definitely want to study marine biology in university. Um, First get my bachelor's and then go and do some work experience and then possibly do my master's. We'll see how it goes. I love when <laughs> um, you want to yeah. go to Queensland, Australia. That's literally where I'm doing my master's right now. Oh my god, um, that's so crazy. That's so exciting. <laughs> I can definitely see you doing that. And like, yeah, half the battle for taking marine science as a like university mm-hmm. courses, just like getting that degree, is just being passionate about it. Because like, yeah. there were times sitting through my undergrad where I was like, I do not care about worms I don't yeah. care about the dirt and then I'm just like no but I care about the ocean and like those are the <laughs> exactly. oceans so like you care but like if exactly. you're passionate about it it's gonna help you make it through and I can definitely tell that with you that you are so incredibly yeah. passionate and definitely. I cannot wait to see what you do in the future it's gonna be amazing <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> so for anyone listening to this that's now your biggest fan is there anything <laughs> they can follow along with you on social media mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I have an Instagram called Anita Ankerlo. It's one word. Um, that's, that's that. That's my Instagram. I don't really have anything else. She posts, she posts the coolest underwater photos, guys. Like, definitely go follow her because literally, like, I'm, like, scrolling my feed and I feel like I'm underwater whenever I see your pictures. I'm like, wow, I love it. I should go dive right now. Like, yeah, definitely. Thank you. So that'll be linked in the bio below as well and on all of our social platforms as well. And thank you so much for joining me today. It was so fun to get to talk to you. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun talking to you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. I love sharing these stories with you and I love that you love to listen. Make sure if you like the podcast, you're leaving a review and liking and subscribing to the podcast. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out more from us, including quizzes, blog posts, and shop our site at waterwomenpodcast.ca. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, stay salty.